You're listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And uh, first off, I want to apologize for the lack of a Smoke Signals Podcast last week. Uh, had some uh, scheduling conflicts, a lot of things going on last week, so uh, unfortunately we weren't able to uh, convene for one last week, but we are back this week, and boy, we have a lot to talk about and a lot of thoughts to share. Uh, joining me as always, uh, IBI uh, Editor-in-Chief Justin Lada And Justin, I mean, first of all, how are you doing? And before we get into the Indians takes. I wish it was a good day. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's nice out, and it's the middle of the week, and that's about all I got. <laughs> I wish I wish I had a rosier picture to paint, but I'm I'm really not in a good mood. This not not is... baseball related anyway. I shouldn't let what is Harry Pluto always says, don't let billionaires ruin your day. Well, they're not ruining my day, but they're certainly not making it better. Yeah, that was not a great performance uh, against the A's. Uh I mean they're now 25 and 23, only two games over 500, seven games behind the Twins, and you know everybody's gonna jump on me saying like, "Oh, it's May, it's early." Yes, it is early, and I completely agree. Anything could happen in baseball, uh, but we're heading towards the end of May into June, and that's where you're really gonna start seeing that cream rise to the top, and uh, you know the contenders separated from the pretenders, and being seven games out in a very weak division is not a good place to be, and you know the Twins. They're a better team this year than they have been. In you know, they still have their weaknesses. They may come back to earth a little bit at some point. But if you're at seven games out of first place at any point, I mean, when you especially when you have no wild card hopes at all, um, pretty much, it's really not a good place to be. And the Indians are putting themselves in a very tough spot to uh, contend for the playoffs. Uh, but I want to continue to stress this disclaimer because otherwise, people are going to come at me on Twitter and say. Oh, what are you talking about? It's still early. Uh, this It is still early, and anything could happen, but if you're going to sit here and tell me that the Indians are in a good place right now and that there's no absolutely no cause for concern just because it's early in the season, I think you're just kidding yourselves at this point because, realistically, there is a lot of red flags with this Indians team right now and where they are and how they've been playing and especially against teams like uh, Baltimore and, I mean, I know they won three out of four against Baltimore, but, uh, and the White Sox and, and now the A's who are mediocre at best this, uh, so far this year uh, to get swept by them at home. It's, it's not very good right now. And we've already discussed at length the injuries and everything that's been going on and going against them as, and as far as uh, their fortunes go. But uh, it's... Everything's that uh, we all feared had it coming out of this off season seems to be taking uh, taking form here in the 2019 campaign during the first two months for the tribe. I am the president of the It's Early Club. I've always been president of that club, but it's when there's like weird things going on, like. 
you know, anomalies and average on balls in play and um, guys having one bad start wrecking their stats or, you know, just bad, the bad weather, even the bad weather. I, I know people are going to say, well, the other team's got to play in bad weather too. Yeah, they do, but probably not as consistently as the Indians do. And they've always not been good in bad weather. And I saw um, Channel 5's Brian Shaw, not not that Brian Shaw, Channel 5's Brian Shaw. We don't any more, you know, outlandish stuff happening on the show today. But people are getting outraged over talking about Brian Shaw. But uh, their weather guy wrote a piece on the Indians' performance over the last couple of years and, and home and cold weather. And the Indians place and definitely worse in cold weather than other other people have now it's a different team this year so you can't say a lot of those things and that's the other problem i have right now is you know we've been saying since francona got to cleveland that the indians have always been a second half team and they have but this is kind of a year where personnel is really different there's no michael brantley there's no a lot of those guys you know that have been here in the past that were good on those second half teams are gone this is a new club so you can't just say oh well they're better in the second half they might be, and some of their older guys might be better as they get, or younger guys might get better as they get more experience. But you can't just, you know, say hey, there's no track record that says these guys will be better in the second half because they always have been. You know, outside of Carlos Santana, that's not really true of any of these guys. You don't know that. We don't know, you know, how how uh, Leonis Martinez in the second half. We're just lucky he's alive. Roberto Perez, well, he's hurt right now, but we don't really know. About that either, because he's never played full-time. Oscar Mercado, no idea. Jordan Luplo, no idea. Um, you know, Jason Kipnis hasn't gotten it together. Jake Bowers, um, no Jake, idea. Jake Bowers. We have no – Jake Bowers, if you want to go on track record, is terrible in the second half. He was terrible last year in the second half. You know, the team league figured him out. He was great in the first half last year. And Jose Ramirez might as well be on milk cartons right now. So there's nothing you could point to that says this team is improving right now. If anything, it's – the streakiness of a 500 team. They're, you know, they're good for two or three days, and then they're bad for three or four. That's that's kind of where they are, and that's what happens when you have a team mixed with young guys and underperforming or aging underperformers, and a guy who just has forgotten how to hit. And I'm going to say this at the outset before we get into deep into topics is. I still think that the Indians lineup is good enough to be propped up by Francisco Lindor, Carlos Santana, and the MVP version of, of Jose Ramirez. Would it be a good lineup? No, it would be great. It wouldn't be very good, but it would be good enough to survive until they can figure some things out and make a trade and add a piece. You know, it would be good to keep them afloat while they have pitchers injured, but as long as Jose Ramirez is not Jose Ramirez, they don't stand a chance. doesn't matter how good the pitching is. Yeah, and even with – they, they were counting on that. Absolutely. And even with Francisco Lindor playing as well as he is right now, I mean, he's looking like vintage Francisco Lindor right now, hitting leadoff home runs yeah. and uh, uh, doing everything that we expect him to. But, you know, he's – I mean, even Carlos Santana has come back to earth a little bit. Um, but – He's pretty. It's between the two of them. It's the two of them by themselves right now, and they need uh, Jose Ramirez to step up. And you know these other guys are uh, 
providing their precious contributions here and there, but uh, it's just hasn't come together in full circle yet. I mean, you know, we see two home run games from Jordan Luplo and Jason Kipnis, which happened uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Luplo going deep twice in two games against the White Sox, and then Kipnis doing so, uh, I think, against the Orioles. And then, um, then you have guys like Bowers, you know, coming through time and time again, uh, here and there, and then... You know, Oscar Mercado has come up now, and he's producing and playing pretty well. But uh, it all needs to come together somehow. And, you know, I think that either has to come with Jose Ramirez. Well, probably both of Jose Ramirez uh, getting it together at the plate. And then uh, finding somebody in a trade that can come in and step up and be uh, another cornerstone piece for this uh, lineup. Because right now, it's a pretty steep drop-off between from uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana to everybody else, no matter how good they've been in certain moments this year. I hate to say it. It's not fair. But I almost feel like you have to put an asterisk next to the Orioles game. Like, you can't you can't include in the sample because they have a lot of 100 home runs this year as a pitching staff. I mean, the reason that Part of the reason the Twins got off such a great start was they played them six times in between April and early May. They've already played their six games against them. Yeah, they've got four, and they only took three. That's right. Uh, I it, think the Twins went six zero against them. Something. So I think I think you're right. Yeah, if I remember right, and then yeah, the, the, the Indians uh, win the series, but they lose one of those games. I mean, the Orioles are. are face they're just not a good team they're 15 and 33 as we record this and uh, 15 and a half games already out out of the uh al east race so um trying to figure that out but uh, yeah i think that you it's fair to say that but even so you know to lose one of those games you know they've already they've already lost uh i think they split the season series with the marlins uh, the White Sox have been a pest for them this year. Uh, and then, of course, this A series. I mean, yeah, you could put an asterisk next to the Orioles series and they in the games that they played well, but they've kind of played to their uh, competition as far as, as when it comes to the uh, uh, lower competi- levels of competition they've played. And uh, it's, it hasn't been pretty so far. I mean, they lost two or three at Atlanta. They lost. They split four with Miami, which that's really bad. They, at least they took three or four from Baltimore. But, you know, they, they, they lost a couple to Seattle. They lost two to Chicago earlier in, in the month. It's just, it's just a streaky team, and I think that's what you get with, like I said, when you, you have a roster mixed with young guys and guys who are past their prime, and then your MVP candidate is just not there. And, and now Trevor Bauer is, has lost himself. You know, Carlos Carrasco, outside of the two starts against Chicago, has been pretty shaky for that matter. Uh, I know he was really good against Houston on Sunday night uh, back in in late April. You know, but without Clevenger and without Kluber, those two guys need to be a lot better. Shane Bieber, for as much as I like him and as good as he is, and we can get into that because I know that's what you want to talk about early on, um, he shouldn't be the Indians' best pitcher, but he really has been, and that's that's not good. I mean, we, we said before the season the Indians' pitching staff was the best in the division and that Bieber would be probably an ace on most teams besides Minnesota, and that's probably still true, but the problem is 
he shouldn't be the for the Indians' advantage was the pitching staff, and if he's the best pitcher on the staff, that's not good. Yeah, it's it's not a good place. And uh, let's give a shout out and where Shane Bieber give credit where it's due. Uh, that 15 strikeout uh, shutout against the Orioles. Again, Orioles not a good team, but for Shane Bieber, that's got to be a n- nice confidence boost and a nice feather in his cap. Uh, 15 strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, I think he was one of the young, if not the youngest pitcher or one of the youngest pitchers to ever uh, accomplish that feat. 15 strikeouts and zero walks and a shutout. Uh, he was one of the four youngest. Yeah, one of the four youngest. That was that was the stat. Uh, and I mean, you said it. I mean, he's been the Indians' best pitcher this year, and that's definitely not a good place to be if you're the Indians who pride themselves on starting pitching being their driving force and their backbone of the season. I know injuries can happen, but uh, you know it's an unfortunate situation, especially. Uh, with in addition to those uh, injuries to Kluber and Clevenger, you know Carrasco has had his shakiness. Bauer, I don't know what's going on with him right now. Over his last two starts, he's got an even nine ERA. He's got uh, eight walks and eight strikeouts. Uh, he's allowed three homers, and it's. I mean, I predicted him to win the Cy Young this year, but right now he's in a spot where he's frustrated and he's probably overthinking, overanalyzing a lot of things. And I don't know what to make of this Indians team right now where it is because it seems like everything is on shaky ground at the same time. And it's not going to completely fall off because it's too early to have that happen unless they completely just go on a losing streak and fall to like 10 games out or plus. But uh, it's everything seems to be going wrong at the, exa- at the wrong time and – if it doesn't get corrected soon, uh, they could find themselves in a pretty deep hole. Yep, it's it's getting it's getting late early. I mean, I didn't think the twi- I think I didn't think the Twins would be this good. Their pitching has been better than I think anybody thought, um, and their their offense has survived without Nelson Cruz recently. I think the combination of um, the combination of, of Jose Ramirez not being Jose Ramirez and Kluber and Clevenger getting hurt and Lindor's injury, you know, it just it sank them early. And now that Bauer is struggling and Carrasco hasn't been that great, and, you know, you hope that today, you know, Jeffrey Rodriguez on Wednesday had a rough start against Oakland. You know, he's pitched way above. That's something we haven't talked about. He's pitched way above what anybody could have expected from him. So it's unfair to think that he wasn't going to have performances like he did today. But you hope regression's not setting in, and it's a sign of things to, to come. And it's totally fair if he starts to regress. It's not. It's, it's not. Un, it's not fair to him to think he was going to keep that up. It's just. It's unfair for the Indians to expect they were going to get that level of performance from him every time out, considering he's an unfinished product. So if if he's got to continue to fill in, and this is what's uh, you know coming for him, if he's going to struggle here a little bit, because the league's starting to get a book on him. Like you said, they're going to get in the hole real fast, especially now with Roberto Perez out. Roberto Perez has been what, or maybe the third best hitter for them this year. He's Fourth? got their, he's got the, the his... second most homers on the team. Yeah, and he's he's finally over league average and and creating runs. He just hit a hundred WRC plus the other day. Um, he's starting to look like a guy who should be a starting catcher, and then he got hurt, and. I like Eric Haas. I really do. I, I think he's going to be 
is going to have a long career in the big leagues, but I, I really think he's more of a backup catcher and the swing and miss combined with the the fact that he's not offensively like Perez now, only a few, you know, the Perez's level of defense. You know, he's in the upper echelon of the league in terms of defense. So you're not going to expect the same from Eric Haas, but the Indian, with the Indian pitching staff struggling and the offense struggling, they need every edge they can get. And with Perez's arm and his framing, he gives them an edge back there. It's a huge edge. It's, it's the biggest defensive edge they can have. And take that away from him, I think, is going to hurt as much as it is the fact that he's their fourth best hitter or their second best hitter, however you want to look at it. Exactly, and uh, I don't know if you had a chance. We were watching the game when he got uh, clocked right between the eyes by that uh, foul ball on the mask. I was at the uh, Rubber Ducks game uh, in the press box, but I happened to look up at the TV just as it was happening, and ooh, it it looked like it got him square on, and uh, I was surprised to see him stay in initially, but then they... Uh, I think the next bat after the next batter they uh, took him out of the game and uh, he was diagnosed with a concussion, so he's going to be out a little bit recovering from that. And Eric Haas was called up, and we might as well just get into all these uh, roster moves that have happened uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, first of all, the most recent and most notable being uh, Carlos Gonzalez being designated for assignment. And I, I tell you what, Justin, didn't I uh, predict uh, right around the start of the season that? Uh, my bold prediction was that neither Hanley Ramirez nor Carlos Gonzalez was going to be an impactful player, and n- neither one would last long on the roster. I was actually kind of surprised that Gonzalez lasted as long as he did. I mean, he had a couple home runs early, kind of the same way that uh, Hanley Ramirez did. He had a few had a few big hits early, and then really tailed off and never really got it going. I mean, I mean that's hard to really uh, blame him because he had a late start to the season and spring training and everything. But uh, he wasn't providing the kind of impact, impactful offense that the Indians were hoping for when they signed him. And now with Oscar Mercado up and playing well, I think it was a uh, pretty, pretty much uh, the writing was on the wall with him as far as uh, his future with the Tribe. And now they designated for him for assignment, and it looks like he's going to be uh, looking for work elsewhere. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I think he lasted as long as he did because. Play the outfield. He was he was he looked okay defensively out there, and I think he would have continued to survive had Perez not gotten hurt. I don't think they would have made the move. I think they just didn't want to give up their extra bullpen arm because of Bauer and Carrasco's two short outings recently, and then obviously with Rodriguez going today, they didn't want to risk having a short bullpen. And the only move they could make was that or Freeman, and they needed. I guess they need a utility infielder more than they need Carlos Gonzalez because that was the move. And if you're going to carry three catchers for a week or however many days it takes Perez to recover, he's not on the IL. You know, luckily they said he passed some tests today and he, he might be able to avoid the injured list for a couple of days. Um, yeah, I, I, he lasted longer than he should have. But to be honest, I think they would have kept sticking with him had had Perez not gotten hurt, and I think there there were no positive signs offensively. I mean, he had three extra base hits and only had one in the month of May, so it wasn't like he was really going anywhere. I mean, it just I don't know. It, it was it was a nice shot, I guess, nice lottery ticket. But unfortunately, that's where this team is at: lottery tickets and hoping you know they hit it. They didn't. And uh, yeah, just to give the full 
perspective on uh, Gonzalez's tenure in Cleveland. I mean, 30 games, decent enough sample size, 50 weighted runs created plus, a minus 0.4 war. Uh, So he... Yeah, he was actually better defensively than he was offensively. He was only slightly below average defensively, and uh, offensively he was like minus seven point seven more, according to Fangraph. So uh, he was Problem not. Is that, but his exit velocity was in the eighteenth percentile. His hard hit rate was in the twenty eighth percentile. So he was not hitting the ball hard at all. Exactly. His average so, exit velocity was was eighty six miles an hour. Right. So yeah, that's that's not good, uh, and you know maybe. He's getting older. Maybe he's, you know, away from Colorado, and uh, the the the, uh, the uh, theory that everybody feared was playing out, where getting him away from that thing, Colorado Air, was going to impact his uh, production. And I don't know exactly what it was, or maybe it was a combination of everything. But either way, he just wasn't getting the job done. And uh, now they call up Oscar Mercado, who was actually called up uh, a week ago. Uh, when they placed Tyler Naquin on a disabled list with a calf strain. And look at Mercado. I mean, he was playing well in Columbus. We were all clamoring him for him to get called up. And in six games, he's uh, off to a decent start, batting two ninety four. Uh, he's got a, a few walks. Uh, he's already scored five runs. And uh, he's got two doubles and a trip. Uh, no, I'm sorry, just two doubles. And, three doubles, rather, and three RBIs. Uh, he hasn't... Stolen a base, he's been caught once, but uh, Mercado off to a decent start uh, to his Indians career, and I don't know. I think uh, if he continues this, he should uh, get a, more of a chance now that, uh, especially now that Gonzalez is off the roster. There's there's some at bats available now for Mercado to take if if the Indians are inclined to give them to him. Yeah, it's it's a mega small sample, so we can't really draw a ton. But, man, there are some really cool things to look at in his profile so far. And, and 20 at-bats, not including today's game, I mean, everything looks to be in line with what he was doing in Columbus. The strikeout rate, the walk rate are all really similar from Columbus, actually a little bit better in, in both both um, aspects. He has the same average. Um, the coolest thing is, man, he's not hitting a lot of ground balls. That's great. He's got the ground ball percentage low. Um According to uh, baseball info, uh, or information or systems uh, on fan graphs, his hard hit rate is sixty one percent, which is awesome. Everything looks good early. You know, again, it's it's, it's twenty plate appearances coming into or as of Tuesday. Uh, I know he took an O for today uh, on Wednesday, but there, there's hard. It's hard to look at anything and not be happy with what you're getting from Oscar Rocado so far, other than the error he made the other night, just because he hadn't. Um, ever played left field in Cleveland, and he was learning the wall a little bit. And um, the one slide he had, he kind of or one stolen base attempt he had, he overslid the bag a little. But you know they don't have replay in AAA, so they probably got away with a few of those down there too. No, oh, probably. But I am uh, definitely intrigued. And uh, if there's something positive to look forward to with the Indians right now, uh, is to see Oscar Mercado play and to see what what he uh, can bring to this team because we saw him in spring training. The Indians gave him a lot of looks in uh, big league camp this spring, and he showed something that I I thought, and clearly the Indians thought, was uh, worth considering for the uh, big league club this year. And let's hope he continues to do so because I think he's an exciting player and could be 
potentially an impact player if uh, given enough chances to uh, acclimate himself to the majors and uh, f- and settle into a rhythm. So, um, best on, frisbee on a team, by the way, at twenty nine uh, feet per second. There you go. Best yeah, frisbee, you know. <laughs> uh, by far, it's not even close. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the speed that you see in stolen base rates you see in the minor leagues speak for themselves. I mean, he's got 50-plus steals uh, in a season uh, a few years ago, and he's already definitely leading the team in Columbus. I think he had 14 in, in Columbus before getting called up, and, yeah, it was just uh, really impressive. So, uh, And then, of course, uh, the... On the flip side, uh, Roberto Perez diagnosed with that concussion after taking the foul ball after off of his mask last night. Uh, he's going to be out for a little bit. And uh, now they called up Eric Haas, which, you know, is something I, I'm sure a lot of people have been uh, calling for. You know, I'm not a huge Kevin Pilecki fan. I mean, I understand he's a more of a veteran presence in the backup role, and then Eric Haas has a chance to play every day in Columbus. But I thought he deserved a chance to play in Cleveland a little bit. Now he's up, and uh, he'll get some chances to uh, catch probably on an everyday basis. I don't know how much uh, of an everyday catcher they view Kevin Pulecki as, but uh, I would think Eric Haas would get a a decent number of starts while uh, Perez is out. So uh, thoughts on uh, Haas in Cleveland? I said it before, I, I like Eric Haas. I've always liked Eric Haas back to his days in Lake County. Great guy, great, you know, he's worked really hard to get to this point. He, he made a lot of changes um, with his swing. He works well with pitchers. Pitchers he's caught, love working with him. So that's, a, that's always a good thing. But like I said, he's one of those guys who the full package, some of, it, some of his abilities is better than any one individual tool. He gets the most out of his his tools, none of which are really above average other than his raw power. Um, but he doesn't get to that all the time because he swings and misses a lot. I hope, I really do hope they give him more playing time than Kevin Kowalki. i got to be honest. I'm, I know, he's, like you said, he's not playing a lot and he's, he's kind of a backup catcher and that's what he's brought here to do. I, I think we know what Kevin Kowalki is and, and Francona's comments today before the game, after they cut Gonzalez was you know, hey, we got to see what some of these kids can do. And, you know, whether it's a Greg Allen or an Oscar Mercado or somebody else, you know, Eric Oz is one of those guys. You got to, he said, we got to figure out if these young guys can play or not. Eric Oz is one of those guys. They need to start figuring out if he's part of their future, even if it's as a backup. And I think they already know what Kevin Polecki is. I think they need to see what, what Eric Oz has for a couple of games, however long he's up. Um, same, you know, same with Jordan Lupo. He didn't play today either, which was very bizarre, but. I, I'm excited to see Haas get a chance if, if they play him. Well, I see. I, didn't I have, even, my, I have I didn't my doubts even, they will. Right, and I and I missed that comment by Francona, but um, I mean, you know me, I've been calling for this for a while, saying that uh, this is if the Indians are in kind of a retooling mode, then they need to. Uh, try and get some of these kids up here and see what they can do. And I'm glad they called up Mercado. And, you know, I know it's not under the best circumstances, but I'm glad Haas is up here. And, you know, this is the time where they need to see what the what these young prospects can do and see if they are ready to not only uh, play in the majors, but it, see if they are going to be legitimately part of the Indians' long-term future plans. And this is the time to do it. I'm glad Francona has 
come out and said that. Hopefully this isn't the uh, the last we'll see of some of these young kids. I mean, I'm thinking in terms of a guy like Henry Martinez and uh, James Karinczak, who I know is hurt right now, but in the bullpen there. And, you know, there's, there's a few more guys in Columbus who could probably see some time in Cleveland eventually. Um, but uh, I... I would really like to see if there's anything that good that can come out of the season right now and watching the Indians is seeing these uh, young prospects and seeing what they can do because if the Indians are in a situation where, you know, their World Series contention hopes are fading, then they need to start thinking about the future and – you know, maybe that's what they were doing this off season with some of the trades, bringing in uh, guys like uh, Rodriguez and Daniel Johnson, and of course they brought in Oscar Mercado at the trade deadline last year. They got an eye towards the future. Now they need to now now they need to have both eyes towards the future and see what uh, some of these guys can do. So uh, that's why I'm glad to see Mercado up, and I'm glad I'm going to be glad to see uh, Eric Haas getting some playing time and. Uh, making the most out of a bad situation. So uh, that's that that I'm glad to hear uh, actually stated publicly by the Indians and Terry Francona. So uh, definitely glad to see that. And on the others, uh, just to round out the uh, roster, roster news here, uh, we had Adam Plutko re- make his return to Cleveland, and uh, he was pretty solid uh, against the Orioles. Again, take that with a grain of salt as bad as the Orioles are, but uh, six innings, one hit, one run, two walks, four strikeouts. He's back after that forearm injury. You know, he was trying to get his legs back under him in Columbus, had some mixed results, uh, but first start up in Cleveland couldn't have gone much better, and I think it's good to really have him back in Cleveland in that rotation because uh, for as bad a situation as it was with the injuries to Kluber and Clevenger, they really needed a guy like Plutko to be able to step up because, you know, we saw what happened with Cody Anderson and we've seen how depleted their depth has become. But uh, hopefully Plutko can solidify uh, the back end of the rotation and if uh, Bauer and Carrasco can find some more consistency again, I think the rotation might be uh, in better shape than it was, say, a week or two ago. Yeah, I mean, depth is, there's no such thing as depth, but he um, at least, you know, makes it a little bit better. I know Cody Anderson just wasn't able to kind of harness his, I don't know what's the right way to say it, his um, intensity. You know, he gets, he gets amped up early in his outings, and it just kept happening. So, yeah, they needed someone to step up in his place, and, you know, one start in, Plutko has been, good we'll see if that continues we kind of know what his ceiling is you know I, I don't expect him to do that again but the Orioles also did touch up uh, Trevor Bauer pretty good and uh, that's really you know it's, it's, it's a game they didn't lose at least and they needed that win if they would have taken two or four from the, the Orioles it would have been even worse I guess suppose going forward he's a better fit but I, I wonder like like you said, if they're taking a look at young guys, Pluck goes out of options next year. We're not talking about next year, but I'm just thinking, you know, would a guy like Zach Plesak be better served getting some experience now? Because what are they going to do with Adam Plutko next year? You know, he's out of options, and, you know, they might end up trading 
Bauer over the offseason or something, I suppose, and still have that. But there's really no place for Plutko on this roster once Kluber and Clevenger get healthy, and it might be a while before Kluber does. But uh, at least having Plutko back now is, is better than trying to get Anderson back from Tommy John, I guess, at the big league level. Right, and uh, hopefully Co- Cody Anderson can get stretched out and get uh, get that uh, those reps he needs in Columbus in a less a lower pressure environment, and uh, hopefully solidify himself as a as a depth option again. Because uh, yeah, the Indians' depth is pretty uh, depleted right now. Hopefully, uh, Zach Plezak can work his way onto that uh, onto that depth chart soon. But uh, yeah, having Plutko back definitely helps. Uh, I would really like to know when uh, what's going on with Tristan McKenzie because that would really help as well. But even when he does come back, it's, it's going to take a little bit before he's they consider him uh, big league ready, uh, especially given the fact that he's uh, their top pitching prospect and they're going to probably treat him as uh, conservatively and bring him along as conservatively as they have all throughout his minor league career to date. So um, that's that's what uh, where the depth stands for the Indians right now. But uh, Plutko definitely helps solidify things. And let's just hope, uh, knock on wood, that there's no more uh, health issues, injuries, what have you, because uh, the Indians could be in really deep trouble if uh, somebody else were to uh, fall fall to on that uh, injured list at some point. It's definitely definitely not a good situation. And uh, uh, it's it goes to show you, I mean, you know, I know it's an old adage, but there's no no such thing as too much pitching. They, I mean, they, they had injuries coming out of spring training to begin with. That's the problem is they were, you know, there were guys in, in camp that were, like you said, McKenzie was hurt and Plutko was hurt. So they were already, you know, down depth. Where they came out of spring training, Rodriguez was their next in line, the way things had been going. So it was not not a good situation from the start to begin with. And McKenzie, I know, just started throwing again, and, and his initial injury was supposedly a a back issue, but it kind of sounds like he had a rotator cuff issue, which is really concerning. So... Uh, I, I don't think he'll be going. There's no update for him as far as going to an affiliate. So uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing Tristan McKenzie anytime soon. Maybe June. Right. So uh, yeah. So basically, what I was trying to get to was their uh, invulnerability that we had perceived. Yeah. That maybe we had perceived. Uh, that was. Uh, that was broken, and uh, sh- and it shows you that even the strongest and most uh, dominant and and uh, foreboding teams, as far as pitching goes, uh, can be can be touched by the injury bug, and it really it really isn't pretty when it happens, and that's what's going on with the Indians right now. But uh, speaking of those injuries, let's uh, provide a couple of updates on uh, the two main guys who are. Uh, on the shelf right now, and that is Mike Clevenger and Corey Kluber. Mike Clevenger, on the uh, happy side of the news, is uh, throwing bullpens. Uh, He's throwing fastballs, and I think uh, he's throwing bullpens without many restrictions right now. And the latest word on him is uh, a few more bullpen sessions without any kind of setbacks, and he could be 
uh, starting a rehab assignment here pretty soon. So maybe within the next uh, couple weeks, we could see him at a minor league affiliate uh, working his way back to Cleveland, which is definitely a great sign. And considering the fact that uh, his initial diagnosis, we were thinking of him not coming back till after the All-Star break. Maybe we might be seeing him in uh, in June sometime. So, uh, And then Corey Kluber, he will be... Uh, getting x-rays on his uh, broken arm on Thursday. So at, when this podcast posts, uh, that's when these x-rays will be uh, taking place, and we'll probably get some word on that either uh, later on Thursday or maybe Friday. And these x-rays will determine if he's ready to have the cast removed from his arm and uh, have it replaced with a removable splint, which is the next step in his recovery process. Uh, so still a little ways off from him even getting back to picking up a baseball, but uh, it's another step in the right direction if all goes well with these uh, x-rays and he gets a good report on them. But uh, uh, good news with Mike Clevenger and uh, possibly some good news with Kluber as well. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Clevenger might, like you said, might be on a rehab assignment soon and Akron's home, uh, say Memorial Day. I know I'm going to the game Memorial Day, so maybe he'll be there Memorial Day. So yeah, it's, it's over the weekend. I don't know if they'll get him out that fast because it's you know it's it's Wednesday, but uh, like you said, he might. There's a chance he could be off the disabled list before or injured list before uh, a lot sooner than we expected, and that would be good because I guess the question is going to be about. We don't talk about it now. This will be a future episode, but. I have to wonder which pitcher goes down, and my guess is it'll be Rodriguez when Clevenger comes back because Plutko's got more experience, but Rodriguez, until today, had mostly earned it. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that'll be interesting to see how he responds to this outing and if this is a, a case of regression or maybe this is something he learns from and he, he picks up uh, picks up on uh, his success again and finds a way to uh, make it work, so... Uh, but yeah, definitely would be great to see Clevenger back uh, sometime next month. Uh, hopefully, there's no setbacks because, uh, you know, as many of this pitching staff as they can get back on track, healthy and pitching well again, is the better their chances are of closing the gap with the Twins. Because uh, as we knew going into the season, this team is uh, lives and dies with their pitching, and when it's not healthy or not going well, uh, they're Things are not good, and uh, but when it is, uh, things could things could go very well for the tribe. So, uh, getting Mike Clevenger back would definitely be a nice big step in the right direction, as far as that's concerned. Uh, and then Corey Kluber uh, with the X-rays. Um, hopefully, that all comes out well. Uh, still, like I said, this is nowhere close to him being able to uh, start throwing again. Uh, even think about rehabbing it's still going to be uh another another several weeks before uh, that is even in the conversation but uh at least he's moving in the right direction or it seems to be so uh and uh last thing i wanted to end on a happy note uh this week justin and uh how about this uh uh update from the uh, all-star festivities uh uh, coming soon to Cleveland. Uh, the Celebrity All-Star Game for 2019, uh, the format will be Cleveland versus the world. So it will be uh, celebrities uh, either from Cleveland or uh, notorious for being uh, for being paired with or uh, 
prepare with Cleveland or known for known for being associated with Cleveland are uh, going to take part in this game and play against uh, basically everybody else, celebrities from everywhere else. So uh, my question to you, Justin, is who would you have as your ideal Cleveland celebrity lineup? Celebrity lineup? Okay, well, this is obvious. I, and I guess you don't have to count as Cleveland, but LeBron James has to have a one, right? That's the guy. That's the guy you want. For which team? <laughs> for Cleveland. For, Cle- for Cleveland versus the world. Well, I mean, uh, every- yeah, I would think so, uh, but I don't know how. LeBron's got to be number one. I don't know if he's going to play, but he's got to be number one. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But uh, everybody was cracking jokes on Twitter when this was announced, saying like that LeBron, if he plays, he's going to switch teams halfway through the game. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's, that's true. I don't know. I'm sure Drew Carey will be there. I'm sure. Uh, I don't Arsenio know. You might Hall. see um, maybe Arsenio Hall. Maybe the guy from Bone Thugs and Harmony will be out there. You might see Machine Gun Kelly. The Miz. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe the Miz. He's been around. Gosh, who else have they had in recently? I don't know. Maybe you'll get a few uh, like Denzel Ward throughout the first pitch the other day. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe Baker. Um, yeah, I, I got to say, that's going to be mid-July. I don't see Baker doing it uh, two weeks before training camp opens. That's like literally like a, two weeks before training camp. I'd be surprised if he does it because I don't think he wants to risk anything. But you never know. Uh, also, he's not doing uh, Jarvis Landry's softball game, which is a classic park because he's got wedding stuff to do. So mm. uh, my, my guess is he will probably abstain from the, the softball game. But if he doesn't, it's going to be a hot ticket. I got tickets for that and the Futures game. So, how about uh? Do you think Halle Berry would show up? For this, among celebrities, maybe, maybe Halle Berry. Uh, I don't know. She was married to a Cleveland Indian. That didn't end well. So, Michael, uh, she might Michael not Simon has to be there. <laughs> Michael Simon. Oh, what about Elvis Gerbach? He was, uh, or you know, they got the Golics. Uh, they're they've both been back quite a few times. The Golics, maybe. Um, you know, there's a lot of football players, just a ton. I, I, I'm going through a list in front of me. I'm not pulling these out of my, you know, out of nowhere. I'm, I'm actually looking these up. I don't know all these people. So, um, but I, I would imagine you'll see a really interesting crowd. You know, even though he's not really from Cleveland, even though he's not really from Cleveland, he's from the Warren area, but it would be total, it would be so awesome if Dave Grohl showed up. Dave Grohl. Yeah. I don't know what your baseball fan is. That'd be good. I think they're going to have plenty of musicians. There's a lot of famous musicians from the area. I, I would, I would be okay with that. Yeah. You know what? That's another guy. I guarantee this guy will be there. Jerry the King Waller. I guarantee you the King will be there. I don't know if he'll play because he's getting up there in age. But he loves baseball. He loves Cleveland. Um, I bet you he'll be there. I bet you some of your standard Cleveland Indians alumni will be there too. Kenny Lofton. He's not. Uh, he's not he just loves Cleveland. I don't know why he's listed as a Cleveland, uh, Cleveland famous person. He's from Tennessee, but he loves Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying like, uh, even though it's not, they're not from Cleveland. I would think that their uh, association with, association with the Indians would still allow them to play in the game. But I was, I, I would think you would see a couple of those guys. Maybe uh, Kenny Lofton, uh, Omar Vizquel, and uh, maybe Jim Tomey. Who who knows? Those guys are all going to be here. I did see they're going to be here for the uh, fan fest. So. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple that make it make their way onto the team. Uh, boy, Jim Tomey is a softball player. That's that seems pretty unfair. That's, that's going to be a ringer for 
you put him on Team Cleveland, right? Like, I don't know. You can't put him. I know he's not from Cleveland, but he's here representing Cleveland. So you would think he he goes on Cleveland versus the world. I don't know. That's kind of like we have to make him hit right-handed because I I don't know if Jim Tomey should be playing softball against a bunch of amateurs. He might he might hurt somebody. Right. Uh, well, so that would be fun, and I, I I like how they're getting creative with that format because uh, I think that you know there's enough Cleveland celebrities to to field a good team, and uh, I think that the people here would really get behind that. That's the mantra. I mean, Cleveland versus the world. I, I think that's a good way to get everybody excited about it. I mean, goodness no, I don't like you said. I don't want to end on a sour note, but who knows where the Indians are going to be by the All Star break? It might not be good. Um, and who knows who their all-star is going to be at this point. It's probably Lindor and Santana. Um, maybe even Shane Bieber at this point. Um, but I, I'm really excited about that concept. I, I've never been a huge, like, oh, i got to watch the, the celebrity softball game at the all-star weekend. That's usually one of the events I only watch if there's something else on and it's background noise, whatever I'm doing on Sunday night, because it's always a Sunday night thing. Uh, or I watch the replay, but this year I got tickets, so I'm, I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I've ever watched more than five or ten minutes of the Celebrity All Star, Celebrity uh, Softball game because that comes on after the Home Run Derby, I believe, every year. And uh, oh, was that prospect? I thought it was after the Futures game. Oh, it might be after the Futures game. You might be right. That, yeah, that's when it's played. That's when it's played, anyway. Yeah, so yeah, you might be right about that. Uh, but I think that you know, I mean, we might be biased being uh, Cleveland fans, but uh, I think that putting this kind of twist on on it, it would generate a lot more interest overall. Just because you know, other than that, and every other instance, it's just been celebrities playing softball, and there's not really much to it. Oh, I think we're gonna enjoy it. I think we're we're all gonna Cleveland's gonna enjoy it. At least the people who are not gonna be you know, sour about the baseball team at that point. But, um, like I said, just going through that list got me excited. Like, who's going to be on Team Cleveland? Who are they going to get to be versus Team World? Like, who's who's going to come in for that? Like, I don't know. Who's, who's going to come in and, and do this just for fun and, and face all these Cleveland athletes or Cleveland-born people? Exactly. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, My money's to- on Team Cleveland. <laughs> All right, we'll have to see what the betting lines are on are for that. But uh, I, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, lineup and roster is going to look like, and uh, uh, looking for the All Star festivities. If there's anything uh, that we can look forward to this right now, it's the, the All Star game coming to Cleveland, and now it's announced that the NFL draft is going to be coming to Cleveland in a couple years. So uh, you know, even though uh, the Indians aren't playing their best ball right now, uh, Cleveland's buzzing, and it's seems to be a, a growing attraction in the sports world. Uh, you know, the Browns are doing better. The Cavs are obviously not where they once were, sans LeBron. Uh, but uh, I think that more – I think that based on, uh, you know, them winning the championship in 2016, the Browns getting better, the Indians having their World Series run, run I think that Cleveland sports are – as a sports city is getting a lot more respect uh, in recent years than they have in uh, the decades prior. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for all. I mean, I'm not really big into the NFL draft, but it's good that Cleveland's getting all these this attention. I mean, they've built the city back up into being a major destination for cool stuff, you know. Absolutely. So yeah, we're uh, looking forward to the All Star festivities, and man, I'm already jealous of you getting to go to those games uh, and seeing. Uh... 
the Futures game, the uh, Celebrity Softball game. That, that's going to be fun. You're going to see probably a few Indians prospects there, uh, likely, and then all these uh, Cleveland celebrities playing against the world. That's that's the next going to be so exciting. I mean, I can imagine that the Celebrity Softball game has ne- not generated a lot of excitement or interest in the past and the, where it's been played. Uh, I could I could promise you that there's going to be people hanging out to watch that to watch every softball game in Cleveland, it's probably going to be a very uh, energetic atmosphere. So uh, that that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm hoping to get a credential for the futures game. Actually, I, I have tickets to it, but I really uh, we'll see how things you know turn out. But I'm actually looking, depending on what prospects can send there. I think you'll see. Well, I don't know. Nolan Jones is is not hitting for a lot of power. I don't know if you guys have talked about him on the farm report, but um, I, I would think he'd be there, but. There should be some other Indian prospects there, I would assume. I mean, they'll get a couple because they are the, the host team, but I think we got to start thinking about that. Who's going to be on that on that roster? Yeah, I the mean, Indians. Nolan Jones, I think, it would be pretty obvious. Maybe like a Daniel Johnson or a Tyler Freeman, somebody like that. Ooh, Tyler Freeman would be a good one. Wow, that would be fun. Yeah, so uh, that yeah, that would be fun. Uh, we'll have to when it's it gets closer, we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to start uh, uh, talking about it on the farm report and uh, and getting to who's going to be there. Uh, so yeah, that'll be fun. So uh, looking forward to uh, next week's games. Uh, the Indians are welcoming in the the Rays uh, on Thursday when after this podcast posts, and uh, Adam Plutko will be on the mound, and then. Uh, Friday, you got a really good matchup. How about uh, Blake Snell versus Shane Bieber? I think, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that that would be as even-handed a matchup as it was at the start of the year, but I think that's a pretty good pitching matchup coming up. And then uh, Saturday, Charlie Morton versus Carlos Carrasco. And then Sunday uh, is to be determined. That will be the series finale before the Indians travel to Boston. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday against the Red Sox. And then they head over to Chicago for uh, a series against the White Sox. So uh, they got uh, – they faced uh, some bottom feeders the last uh, couple weeks. But now they got uh, the cream of the crop coming up. Uh, two very tough series coming up against the Rays and the Red Sox. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Justin? Yeah, I mean, what, usually Memorial Day is kind of that – Okay, that's kind of the first time you really take a look at the standings in a serious way. Is It's kind of the first benchmark of the year is Memorial Day. Um, and they're, like you said, Tampa Bay comes into town, and then they play Boston after that. New York's not long after. They are going to get a test. And I think, I hate to say that this early in the year, it's like, oh, this is going to decide their season. But you want to know what? If things don't go well in this in these series coming up, uh, like you said, in the next couple, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay and Boston. They, do they play New York right after Boston? Who do they play after Boston? Uh, they play the White Sox after after Boston. And then it's New York after the White Sox, right? Uh, let, me right see. let me see what the, I know. they have coming up here in June. Um, yeah, so it's the White Sox after uh, that Boston series. And then it's series. Minnesota and then it's. Chicago, then they come home from Minnesota, New York. So yep. I would say by the end of this next, by the end of their next homestand, I think we're going to find out 
how the season's going to turn out. I know they have two with Cincinnati. Cincinnati, boy, Cincinnati can hit. They're pitching, I don't know, but they can hit. Um, I think by the end, the end of the next homestand runs June 4th to June 12th, I would say that we're going to find out an awful lot about who this team is by then. All right, so uh, bookmark that, and uh, we will definitely – we will actually be recording our podcast uh, if the timing's right uh, at the end of that homestand. So, be sh- we would be. So uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, once that date rolls around, and uh, we'll really drill down on where the Indians are and uh, where they could go at uh, during the rest of the season. So uh, hopefully it's in a in a positive direction. Hopefully that we're still talking about them as uh, division contenders and uh, playoff contenders. But uh, we'll see. This is why you play the game. So uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on uh, these upcoming series, though. Uh, Rays and Red Sox, this is going to be a big test for them. Hopefully they can uh, surprise both those teams and uh, come out swinging and pitching well and all that good jazz. So, uh, uh, But as far as uh, this show is concerned, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, before we do, Justin, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, let's see. Uh, three up, three down, coming on Tuesday next week instead of Monday. Um, I know our Brian Nelson is talking to Ali Bradley and Zach Plesak with for features. Um, Simon is talking to Alexis Pantoja, who I don't want to give the story all away, but he is Francisco Lindor's roommate. He lives with Francisco Lindor. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so he's going to have an interview with him. I did just actually finalize the... Um, Diamonds in the Rough list. I know I said I was going to do it the last two weeks, and I haven't. Uh, but I do have – I'm looking at the list right in front of me, and it's about um, 20 guys long. So I will be sending that to you as soon as we are – as soon as we hang up. Sounds good, yeah. And we'll get cracking on that list and uh, provide some insight on some of these uh, lesser-known uh, prospects who uh, aren't in the limelight yet but have the potential to be something more – and find their way onto maybe even find their way onto uh, some top prospect rankings in the future. But uh, for the time being, though, we'll definitely uh, take a deeper dive into uh, some of these players and uh, see what's what with them. But uh, as for me, uh, same as always, you got four thoughts coming up. I got some uh, thoughts on Juan Hillman coming up, who is absolutely dominating. I mean, I don't know if dominating is the, exactly the right word, but he's definitely pitching well in Lynchburg right now, and I'm. Looking forward to taking a deep dive into his uh, stats and seeing uh, what exactly is going on with him that is leading to this kind of success and if it's sustainable. And then also I'll have some thoughts on uh, – I'll have some more thoughts on uh, some of the top prospect storylines in the past week. Uh, uh, Will Benson just won player of the week in uh, the Midwest League. Uh, Connor Mirabel. Oscar Gonzalez has two walks now. Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez has multiple walks. <laughs> We talked about that on the Farm Report podcast. Corey and I, we took a deep dive on uh, uh, Oscar Gonzalez, who, for some reason, I don't know what it is for him only having two walks on the year. He's still batting like 360. And, just, and he hit the dinger tonight. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, for the life of me, it, it, it defies all conventional baseball logic, but uh, this guy just knows how to put the bat on the ball. His batting average on balls in play is over 400. Actually, almost 500, I think. Yeah, he's, he's up there. It's insane. So, uh, give that episode a listen. I think we had a, 
a uh, lot of fun uh, this week uh, talking about uh, Oscar Gonzalez and uh, and we also uh, I think talked a little bit about Mercado and uh, uh, all kinds of prospect uh, storylines. So uh, uh, check that out and. Uh, subscribe to the show uh, on iTunes. Also subscribe to this show. Uh, you can find all the past episodes from this season. Uh, go back and give those a listen. At, and uh, also leave us a nice rating and spread the word. That is all we ask. Also uh, f- follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. You can uh, follow the uh, show at Smoke Signals IBI, you can follow the site account at official underscore all IBI. All the links, all the breaking news, everything you can find there. And uh, also tweet at us uh, with any kind of uh, prospect questions or if you want to get our thoughts on what's going on with the Indians right now. We will uh, provide our provide them as succinctly as we can. And uh, until next time, though, for uh, Justin Lada and for uh, the Smoke Signals podcast. I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.